This episode is brought to you by Zero Shoes, a company that is perfectly named. Why? Because when you're wearing their shoes, you feel like you're walking around completely and totally barefoot. AKA, like you're not wearing any shoes. AKA, like you are wearing zero shoes. Now, we've all heard the benefits of barefoot training, but who wants to walk into a gym without any shoes on your feet? First of all, it's gross, and second of all, it's disgusting. Now, the other benefits of zero shoes is not only are they functional, but they're also fashionable. So, you've seen many a time people walk in the gym with these minimalist shoes and they look like a freak. Not with zero shoes. You're going to blend right in. Also, they have a wide toe box so that your toes are not all scrunched together in the front like they normally are with any standard training sneaker or cleat. Now, to get your shoes, go to zeroshoes.com slash go slash Mahoney AT. Again, that's zeroshoes.com slash go slash Mahoney AT. And that zero is spelt with an X. It is X-E-R-O. Again, I'll say it again. It's X-E-R-O. Get your zero shoes today. Welcome to the episode of the Mahoney Advanced Training Podcast. Once again, we're going to give you tips and tricks on how to be more efficient and effective in the weight room, the boardroom, and on a football field. And we're going to do a recap of this week's Tag Team Tough Man Challenge. Now, before we start, I want to give a special thank you to the people who have been actively listening to our podcast. At first, I thought it was just our inner circle who listened to this stuff because why not? We're talking about the inner workings of advanced training. We're talking about very specific things that only relate to what we're doing. But when I checked the analytics this morning, it said that we have people listening from 49 different countries. Not 49 different states, 49 different countries. So people who are not in the inner circle who are listening, thank you. Welcome to the podcast. I'm glad you are enjoying what we're talking about, and hopefully you're getting as much out of it as the people in our, as our inner circle are. Okay, let's dive in. Tip number one. This is an exercise tip. If you are performing a goblet squat, what you want to do is you want to move your elbows in as tight as possible so you create a nice base or a foundation for you to lift the weight from. Now, if you say, what? Wait, what's a goblet squat? I don't even know what a goblet squat is. Well, if a goblet squat would be performed with a dumbbell, let's say you're using a dumbbell in the gym, you're holding the dumbbell vertically, so it's standing straight up and down, and you're just holding the top of that dumbbell. So picture like a, a guy in the medieval times drinking out of a goblet, drinking wine out of a goblet, right? Getting that wine all over his face gets a little messy. Now, when you're listening right now, just experiment. Take, take your hands, put them up as if you're holding a dumbbell, and put those elbows in as close as you can. As you move them in, You'll feel it right now as I'm talking. You're going to feel the bottom of your lats engage. They're going to brace. They're going to be activated. Now, when they, when they brace, it's going to brace your stomach muscles and your core. It's going to brace your upper middle back. Now, just to experiment, move your elbows out. You see that you've lost all of that engagement, that activation in your upper back, in your stomach, and in your lower lats. So drive those elbows in as you are performing a goblet Yep, a goblet, a dumbbell goblet squat. Okay, tip number two is something I am experimenting with, and it's going to sound a little wacky. Admittedly, it sounds a little wacky, but something I am doing every morning, I've been doing it for the last two weeks, is called the morning flex. So I get up in the morning. This is even before I go downstairs and put my feet on the rock mat and put my hands over my head. I'm actually doing something called the morning flex. So it is exactly what it sounds like. I'm looking in the mirror, and I am doing like a, a flex off to myself, for maybe a minute. It's not long, but he here's the reasons why. One, I think it's a good uh, morale booster, right? Two, to me, cause, because I'm no longer weighing myself or doing my body fat every day, I need some indicator to make sure that what I'm doing is working. I want to make, I need some indicator to make sure I'm getting better, not worse. And yes, I am the data analytics guy. I do a lot of analytics, but 
when the data is not accurate or consistent, then you got to throw all that stuff out. And what we found that with experiments in our house is that our scale was not accurate or consistent. So it was basically ruining my day, or my wife's day, or our entire week because we had bad data. Anyway, so I'm doing the morning flex for me to say, am I getting better or worse? And also, if you're doing the right thing, then you're getting to reap the benefits of the of the hard work that you're putting in, right? You're getting to reap the benefits of the hard work that you're putting in. And it kind of reminds me of a saying that Arnold Schwarzenegger had. He said, an unflexed muscle is like an unpolished shoe. I'll say that one again. An unflexed muscle is like an unpolished shoe. Now, that could have been the quote that I wanted to give you, but I'm going to give you another one. This is, this is tip number three. So the quote that I've been thinking about are, is, big problems are easy to find but hard to fix, and small problems are hard to find but easy to fix. I'll say that one again. Big problems are easy to find, but hard to fix. Small problems are hard to find, but easy to fix. So I'm going to take the, uh, the simplest of ex simple examples. You're in your house, and a pipe bursts, and there's water exploding all over your house, right? It's going all over the floor. That is very easy to find, but very hard to fix. Now, on the polar opposite, there is a leak underneath your sink. It's a slight drip. It's coming out of the trap. And all you got to do is like tighten that one little nut. Boop. You can tighten it with your hand. But it's hard to find. Who's looking underneath your sink? Who's looking underneath that sink? But if you don't fix that little leak, that gasket's going to get worn down, and then it's going to become a big leak. So the, the, the point of the story is, is that sometimes you got to look to find that problem early before it becomes a much bigger problem that's unmanageable. And when the problem is big, and it's really big, don't worry, you're going to be able to see it, but it's going to be really hard to fix. Okay, tip number four. This, uh, this is going to be a combination of something that I've been reading and something that's moved me. It's actually Elon, Musk, Elon Musk's tips for being a successful engineer. Now, don't phase out for a second because it directly links to a lot of the ways that I live my life and a lot of the ways that the guys on this podcast live their lives. And by the, I mean the guys on this podcast, I mean the guys in the advanced training crew. So what? let's go back to my life, then we'll go back to Elon Musk. The, life that, the way I've been living my life is by this premise. Eliminate, simplify, automate, delegate. That means the first thing you should do is eliminate all the garbage. Then when you've eliminated all the garbage, then you simplify. Do not simplify anything that should have been eliminated, right? Because that's just a waste of time. Then when I've simplified everything, then and only then should I automate. Because I don't want to automate something I didn't simplify because then I've automated waste. And if I can't automate it, then I delegate it. That's the way I live my life in coaching, in the gym, at work, everywhere. Okay, now let's go back to the great Elon Musk who is uh, infinitely smarter than me. He's got a couple of requirements. The first one is make the requirements less dumb. Wow, I love that. And this is, is pretty tricky because he said everyone's wrong. No matter who you are, who you are everyone is wrong some of the time. And some of the problems are is that the smarter the person is that gave you the requirement, the more likely you are to trust them. But you got to question it. You have to question it, right? Because say uh, you think, hey, this Nick Carroll, he's a really smart guy. He gave me a requirement. I got to follow it. He's just so smart. But maybe he made a mistake. Well, now I'm trusting a guy because he has a history of being smart and we're doing the wrong thing because he is a smart guy and we trusted him, but we didn't question it. So question things and make that requirement less dumb. Number two, try and delete part of the process. Sounds like exactly the first step of our pyramid, which is eliminate. I love it. Try and delete part of the, pro the process. 
So got to get rid of stuff, got to get rid of stuff. And people will always say, look, why don't we have everything in and then just take things away, right? And I would say, and this is what he's saying, why don't you start small and add if you need to, like start with as little as you need to and then add to it if you have to. All right, tip number three from him, simplify or optimize. Perfect. And he's saying, don't simplify or optimize until you delete. Elon, you are right on the same page as us. Uh, a lot of bravado here, me telling Elon Musk that he's on the same page as the advanced training crew. All right, tip number four, accelerate the cycle time. So this is, uh, this is a little bit where I struggle because I am a thinker and an overthinker. But essentially, he's saying, once you've done those first three things, go faster and faster and faster. But don't go faster and faster and faster until you've done those first three things. So don't go faster until you've made it less dumb. Don't go faster until you've tried to delete, delete part of the process. Don't go faster until you simplify or optimize. And you'll hear, you'll see people, they'll try and do this step four, uh, go faster and faster and faster without getting rid of the garbage. And now they're just overwhelmed mentally, physically. They can't get out of their own way. They're amplifying waste. Uh, it's just a nightmare. Anyway, we'll go back to his uh, his tips. His last tip is to automate. The final step is automate. Again, I love it. It goes back to, and I will simplify for us. It's eliminate, simplify, automate, delegate. And it just, just to me, this article from Elon Musk, it really reinforced to us and our crew and to me and the people I work with that this is the right way or at least the right mindset, the right principles to follow when you are trying to be as efficient and effective as possible. Okay, the tip number six, the strangest thing that I saw all week was that uh, after this week's session, I actually had called upon members of advanced training to give me advice on investments. Now, why is this strange? Well, it's strange because I knew these guys when they were little pups and I think... uh, 15 years ago, I would have never thought in my life that I would be talking to these, at the time, kids about how to optimize the investments I've made in my life. And it's really awesome that now, and I think Steve Armato said it yesterday, that advanced training is becoming less of a crew of people that train with each other and more of a crew of masterminds in their particular fields helping to make each other better at something. We are the average of the five people we spend the most time with, and now we have this, this really elite core of people who are great at what they do, all spending time with each other, now making each other better at what they're doing by giving advice, be, be influencing each other, uh, just being good role models to each other. I, I love every second of it, and I, I guess it's really not strange. I guess when you spend enough time with these people, we all start to develop together. But thank you to the people that I spoke to yesterday. I am pumped. I was even pumped that as I was speaking to them, uh, our motto came into the conversation and said, I also need help with that. So this is really just an awesome circle of people. Uh, that we're working with. So thank you, men. I, I love growing and developing with you. And the training part is just kind of like a means to an end. We use the training, we use the competition to get us to this mastermind group. Now, that is a great segue into what happened at this week's Tag Team Tough Man Challenge. Let me explain the Tag Team event. The Tag Team event was basically catch with a medicine ball. So you got thre- seven throws with a medicine ball. Each of your players were standing in a line. Now, I heard Tom Galley say this reminds me of Little League tryouts. Well, it's exactly what it was like. When I was in Little League, we had a drill called the cutoff drill. And we had like 10 people stand in a row, and one guy threw a ball to the next guy. He caught it, threw it to the next guy. He threw, caught it, threw it to the next guy. What you would try to simul- simulate was the ball goes into the outfield, the outfielder throws it to the shortstop, the shortstop throws it to the second base or the third base or home or wherever. 
right? So you're trying to get that, get that ball and throw it as fast as you can to the next guy. Well, it's the same thing. We're going to take the ball. We're going to reverse med ball overhead throw it. One guy's going to catch it. He's going to throw it to the next guy. Now, here's the catch. You only get seven throws. The team that throws it the furthest on their seven throws wins. But the other catch is, is if, any, if the ball ever hits the ground, you start from the beginning. And you don't reset the clock of throws. So if you're the guy on the seventh throw that drops the ball, you go back to the beginning, you get zero yards, you get nothing, you lose. Good day, sir. So the first team goes, uh, I believe it was Joe Deradita's team, and they do pretty well. They get 79 yards. Actually, it was not Joe Deradita's team. It was Shalasi's team. They go. They get 79 yards. And they only have three guys. So they have to kind of like cycle through. Guys get multiple throws. They're the first group to go. There's a lot of pressure uh, catching the ball, throwing the ball. The second group goes. They're Joe, Joe Deradita's crew. And they're short. Like they're not going to make 79 yards unless the last guy throws the ball like 30 yards. No, I should say 30 yards. Maybe like 20 yards. He can't throw it. The guy's back there waiting for it. Ball's to the ground. They get nothing. They're out. Third crew comes up, it's the Junkyard Dogs. The Junkyard Dogs who've won about 80% of all these competitions. And they go, and I'm just going to skip to the punchline, they get 89 yards. They smoke completely and totally smoke the competition. And during this segment, uh, I think one guy had a bad throw. Baraji might have not had the greatest throw on one of his throws. And I thought they weren't going to make it. And I, I, my eyesight could be bad. I know the guys have questioned my finger on the stopwatch. But I'm pretty sure Joe Moresco threw the ball about 25, 30 yards at one point. Like, he just threw a boomer. It, it looked like a trout home run. So, it's kind of a segue into where we're getting into next. So, Joe Moretzko throws this ball. The team wins. This, the team wins again. And now, they again have to pick two losers to compete head-to-head, right? They have There's losing teams. They pick two guys to compete head-to-head. But because this team has won so much, they've knocked everybody else out. There's not enough losers to go around to compete head-to-head. So there's only one guy left in the loser's bracket who was able to compete that day, Brian Weintraub, a.k.a. the future. But he couldn't compete against anybody because everybody else left in the pool already had two losses. So what do we do? We throw it out to the Junkyard Dogs. Do any of you want to get more points and go head-to-head with Brian Weintraub, a.k.a. the future? Joe Moreczko says, I'll do it. Why not? He's looking for points. He's currently a number three seed. He wants to get into that number two seed spot. He's like, I'll do it. I'll put my, I'll put my neck on the line. Second week in a row, Joe Moresco is putting his neck on the line. So we play advanced training medicine ball, sorry, med ball volleyball. And what is that? We set up essentially a box with imagine five yard end zones at each side. The end zone is where that person is allowed to roam. They can't go inside. They can't go outside the box. They have to stay inside that box. The other person has to throw it into that box. So you can't throw it over the box. You can't throw it front of the box, you can't throw it to the left or the right of the box, you got to throw it inside that box. And the boxes are separated by 12 yards, which means you got to f- be able to throw this medicine ball 12 yards. If the ball hits the ground inside of your box, you lose. If you don't make it to the other, into the other box when you throw it, you lose. So you basically have to throw the ball inside the other person's box, and that ball has to hit the ground in order to get a point. That's it. So if the person catches it, they they just get it and they throw it right back to you and you keep going over and over and over again. Now, in my mind, I thought that guys would, I, I thought it would be a little fatiguing to throw this medicine ball so many times. So we made it the first person, the first person to get five wins. My thought was going to be, hey, this is going to be a nail biter. We got two very good athletes going at it. We're going to get to uh, 
not we're going to go nine rounds. It's going to be four versus four, and then in the fifth the fifth round there will be that last point. And I thought guys would just be exhausted from having to throw this med ball so many times, catching the med ball so many times. Oddly, it did not go that way. Uh, the great and powerful future, aka Weintraub, who I said do not sleep on, he gets a clean sweep of Joe Marechko, five zero. Now Marechko comes out of the gate trying to be crafty. He's like trying to spot the ball in weird places to make Weintraub like fall out of the box or hit a corner, except he just kept missing. So, uh, and then Weintraub did an awesome job anytime Marechko hit a corner, like he was playing his feet in the ground and catch the ball and not fall outside the box. So it was really masterful work by Weintraub. But also, I don't know, Joe Marechko made a good point. If this does come again in the playoffs, he's actually learned. Every time he threw the ball, he was kind of learning what works, what doesn't, what works, what works, what doesn't, what works, what doesn't. So Weintraub gets the win. He now moved from a nine seed to a five seed with that win. He is still undefeated. So great work, Weintraub. As I said last time, do not fall asleep on Brian Weintraub, a.k.a. the future. Do not underestimate this guy. Okay, now we're going to go to what happened after the tag, the head-to-head challenge. We put in, we have our PowerPoints. So one of our PowerPoint events is carrying a 215-pound farmer's walk for as far as you can. So essentially, you'll get some sort of points for every yard that you move this farmer's walk. If you think about advanced training, when we do our tough man competition, we normally have 140 pounds on the farmer's walk. And we have guys that cannot pick it up with one hand. It's traditionally, they have not been able to pick this thing up with one hand. Granted, it's in the middle of a tough man, and it's a 15-yard run, but they, they don't trust themselves enough to pick this thing up with one hand. Well, we've been working out with a lot more than that recently. We've been, so this, <laughs> this week, we put on... I'm starting to say it wasn't 250 pounds. It was 175 pounds that we put onto the bar. So I'm not including the bar here. I'm not including the bar itself. So we're tough man. It's 140 pounds on the bar. We've been working out with, you know, 150, 160. Uh, we, we're getting close. Well, for this test, we decided to put on 175. And I honestly thought that guys, that maybe four or five guys could actually do this. And I thought if they did it, maybe they'd get it five, ten yards at best. And... To my complete and total shock, I'll count it right here. Three, six, nine, ten. We had ten guys actually be able to pick this thing up, and all of them got it over nine yards. Now, if the, the bulk of these people, if we're looking at where the bulk of them rested, it was probably in the 10 to 20-yard segment, right? So, so between 10 and 20 yards is where most of these guys fell. But two people completely stood out. One, Billy Blanco. I don't know what happened with this guy's grip, but out of nowhere, he's become, he's had an insane grip. Two weeks ago, guys could not pick up the farmer's walk with, with one hand. Even I was dropping it, uh, and he picked it up. I'm, I'm not like Nike, I am the, uh, the strongest grip guy on earth, but I usually use myself as the barometer of somebody who, if, if I can do it, then it's, it's hard. All right, I'm sorry, if I can't do it, I believe it's hard. I'm not saying I am the end-all and be-all, but that's the way I use myself as the barometer for everybody else there. I dropped it a couple times with my right hand, not my left hand, which is another whole other story. Having said that, Billy Blanco picks it up and goes 33 yards, which is sick. Remember, everybody was doing 10 to 20 yards. Then, Joe Marechko goes and goes 54.5 yards. 54.5 yards. So think about the day this guy had. At some point, I'm telling you, he threw that medicine ball easily over. It had to be 25 yards. He ha- it, it boomed. Then he picks up this farmer's walk and moves it 54.5 yards. 
it's almost moving him into freak status. So Joe Marechko, awesome stuff. Unfortunately, as Shalasi said, you kind of you broke the bar, you broke the bar for everybody else. You know, a guy who felt good about doing 10 yards now feels like nothing after seeing your 54.5. So for everybody that's a little depressed or sad, my my challenge to you is, what are you gonna do about it? Right? You got you can do something about this. We already had a podcast on how to get better in the gym. Uh, to do stuff better on our Saturdays. Well, what are you going to do about increasing your grip? I know what I'm doing. I'm doing it right now. I've been doing it for the last week. I've been doing deadlifts in the gym with the farmer's walk. One arm deadlifts with the farmer's walk. And I'm going to start rocking weight well over that 215. So the next time I play this little game, I'm going to give Marechko a run for his money. Even though I'm not really an endurance guy, I don't know if I want to go that far, kind of mess up my, uh, my sprint cycle. But I am going to... Why I'm working on getting my grip ready, because I don't want to be outmanned by this Marechko guy. Not not me. I don't know about you. I'm not going to accept it. I'll tell you that much right now. So that's what I'm doing. I don't know what you're doing. Having said that, I'm going to throw in two bonus farmer's walk tip for you guys. Tip number one is if you are about to do the farmer's walk, don't be the guy that has to tighten up the clamps. So we've yet to find the perfect set of clamps that will hold the farmer's walk in place. And maybe some exist but we haven't used them at advanced training. So right now we have double clamps, two clamps on each side. One of them is magnetic, but they get a little loose because guys drop the farmer's walk on the floor. But don't be the guy to tighten up the farmer's walk right before you go because it really does fatigue your hands. That, that's one of the tips. The other tip is the moisture on the form, farmer's walk will 100% affect your ability to pick it up. Now you might say, duh. Yeah, it is kind of duh. But what I've seen is that sometimes it depends who you go after on the farmer's walk. Some guys have, like, sweaty hands, so you're going after them, and it's wet. It's hard to pick up. And some guys have dry hands, so they, you pick it up after them, and it's easy. So it, don't get so disappointed with yourself if sometimes you pick it up and it drops, and then don't get overly ecstatic with yourself if sometimes you pick it up and it doesn't drop. I, I'm going back to last week. For so, there were times where I could not get it with my right hand, which is my stronger hand, and then easily pick it up with my left hand. And then I started realizing, oh, I'm going after a different guy with my left than I go with my right. And the bar feels drier when I go with my left than I do with my right. So don't freak out, but those are tips that that, that moisture will have an absolute impact. There's a lot of variables to what goes on when you pick up that farmer's walk. And definitely don't be – if you're about to go, don't fix the weights. I'd say fix the weights after you go. Then the next guy, he can go without his hand fatigued on that farmer's walk. All right, people. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Happy Easter for those that are celebrating it, and I will talk to you soon. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Element. That's L-M-N-T. What's Element? Element is the product that came into my life at exactly the right moment. I've been training hard. I've been sweating like a maniac. But unfortunately, after my sessions, I could never kick that feeling of dehydration. It didn't matter how much water I drank. In fact, the more water I drank, the worse it got. My body was telling me, you need more. You need electrolytes. But I refuse to go and buy some sugary sports drink and put that garbage into my body. Enter Element. What's Element? It's a tasty electrolyte drink mix. That's right. I said tasty. They have seven different flavors. My personal favorite is mango chili. But most importantly, it's got no sugar. It's got no gluten. It's got no garbage. It's got no guilt. Take it. You'll feel better. You won't feel like a bum after you drink it. You won't feel any guilt after taking it. To get your Element today, go to drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Again, that's drink, lmnt.com, backslash George Mahoney. Get yours today.